0: on the inner when I saw her making eyes at me. So I her down Hey there, Howdy.
1: Thanks for tuning in and thanks for telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas New Week. Same old host, J West Texas Leeson. Welcome to the program. Little sister Lauren Huff is across the way in the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. You know, life comes at you fast, and it came at me fast today. My wife went in for some dental work.
2: Yeah, uh, that's not fun. That's that's never fun, though. No,
1: and she went. Uh, she went in, and I didn't understand what was happening. I thought it was like a couple of shots in the gum, but this was like heavy sedation. Oh wow! That she did, and you know, I'm pretty woman, gorgeous woman, needs her smile so you know, took care of those things, but I get I get texts starting at 9 o'clock, there's sedation going on, you got to come get me, Yeah, I'm going to be out for the day.
2: And I'm like, oh. whoa, 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 Monday
1: curveball. Yeah. Glad I got up early.
2: <laughs> so she didn't know there was going to be sedation involved when she went in.
1: Well, we talked about the possibility thereof, but right. I didn't understand that that was what was going to happen, which... Leads to a lot of hang time with little man. Uh, Charlie just goes to. It's not even a pre-K. It's just this. Well, they do some good stuff with them, teach them things. But from nine to twelve is whenever he goes to school every day. Okay. And so Charlie's four, and you know we got some good coverage. Like this morning, she was going to into the office, so I took him to school and. And Charlie's asking me about why girls are also named Charlie, and he's got a <laughs> real problem with that. And I'm like, well, sometimes they're Charlene or, you know. Charlotte. Yeah, and so it's short, but your name is Charles, and there are very few, um you know, not a lot of girls named Charles. Right. I mean, now, we are in the new world order, <laughs> so there are probably girls named Charles somewhere. Somewhere. But I doubt in Lubbock County. And so... It just set forward a lot of uh, hang time with little man, and he gets out of school at noon, and uh, he he comes up, and he's got these uh, two tongue sticks, you know, the, the dentist says, say, aw, or yeah, the, the doctors, tongue compressors. yes, yeah. tongue, thank That's you, what, yeah, tongue yeah. Compressors. I was just calling them tongue sticks, but what they had done is taken two tongue compressors and stuck the rubber bands around them, and then a a paper clip in the middle, so that it made, as Charlie called it, a Veronica. <laughs> a Veronica.
2: What's a Veronica?
1: A Veronica a harmonica, in oh, Charlie lingo. Oh, okay. And so <laughs> he's he's going on about his Veronica, and then we have to get lunch. You know, I said, well, what about what about a grilled cheese? And he gets on him and he says, no. It's a girl cheese. Why are you saying it? it's a girl oh, cheese? Gosh. No, it's not a girl. Yeah, it is, and he gets indignant in the back seat of the tundra. No, it's a girl cheese, and he's just so funny, and he's <laughs> he's the youngest, so he's certain that he's right about everything because he's heard everything at this point, and uh, you know, like he calls marshmallows smushmallows. Oh,
2: cute. That's like, so that's, cute.
1: but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It would be called a smushmallow.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, he, but my favorite thing, just going off in a rabbit trail here, my favorite thing that Charlie says, is today he was wearing his shirt 100% polyester, oil-based, yeah. and his shorts 100% polyester, oil-based, and he calls it farmer Harmer. Which oh, makes a lot of sense yeah. because it does harm farmers. Yeah. But it's it's Under Armour, but it calls oh my it gosh. Farmer Armour, and you know and there are things that, it like he's like, do is, is it my day at school? Do are you taking me at school?
2: Oh, okay.
1: And I'll correct him on that kind of stuff. Yeah. But on the Farmer Armour thing, uh, that's and cute. the and the girl cheese and the smushmallows, I, I don't even mess with it. So, good good day with a. A four-year-old, a four-year-old curveball. Yeah. (laughs) Start off your Monday. I hope your Monday's been great as well. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, The big news that we want to get into immediately is, great headline from the AJ, by the way, a landmark decision, colon, Lubbock voters' okay plan to abandon Auditorium Coliseum. I mean, regardless of how you land on the thing, Mm -hmm. Landmark decision.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, is it a landmark? I'm not. i Well, I'm not. I
1: mean, I think that you could call it a landmark. It's a, it's a cruise chef ready facility, and it was built early. It was built before the Astrodome. Oh, okay. And so it is a landmark in a lot of ways, and you know people can talk about the concerts that they've been to, and I've got my gripes with the Auditorium Coliseum. I'll, I'll get into it, but first, our man Matt Dotray. People of Lubbock voted by, like, Lubbockites? But he went with people of Lubbock. People of Lubbock voted by a narrow margin to ultimately have the Lubbock Municipal, and I want to underline as I get into some analysis here, Municipal Auditorium Coliseum, uh, to have it demolished. Proposition passed 52 to 48%. And uh, he goes on to say there were 700, or 7,757 votes cast in favor of the proposition and 7,231 against, and that's a difference of 526. And then Dre doing the math for the general public like a good journalist. Two hundred fifty thousand people in the city, a hundred and sixty thousand of them registered voters, not quite fifteen thousand votes.
2: So I was actually gonna say something about that because I was did you vote? Well, no, I didn't. Um,
1: oh, so you're part of the ninety-two percent.
2: I'm not actually not registered um, in Lubbock to vote. Okay. So, and on my part, being from Mississippi, it's a process. I'm getting there, though. I will vote in next year's elections. But with that being said, with me being the example of a non-voter, I was in a room last night with six people, and we were watching the elections, and they were complaining about the people who were elected.
1: Last night or on Saturday night?
2: The the night that they had it showing. On Saturday Yes, yeah, Saturday okay. night. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, so Saturday night, and they were complaining about the people who had been elected. But not a single one of them voted, and when one of them was asked if they voted, they said, H-E, double hockey sticks, no, why would I do that? Yeah. That's it, crazy to me. But
1: why? Why would they gripe about it and, and say, well, I didn't vote?
3: I, I know. No. It kills me. Look, I get, like,
1: understand, like, once you begin to look at politics through the way – That I see it, and a lot of people see it, you understand the math that goes in. Like, people hire pollsters who have hundreds of... I mean, just think about Facebook, and like, well, your privacy is important to us. Well, it's not, and it's not important to a lot of people. And so pollsters have hundreds and hundreds of data points on us.
2: Yeah, oh my gosh. Like, they
1: can cross-reference you with a particular candidate and know that you... If you vote regularly, that you're going to vote for him. And that's when they put the hammer down and the mailers just start coming. Boom, 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 boom. And the Facebook sponsored ads. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And so I think a lot of people don't appreciate the math that goes in to elections. And the more that they begin to appreciate it, the more they become a little put out with democracy. Yeah. Because of the math that's involved. It's not trying to appeal to your will it's trying to appeal to all the data points on you. I mean, it's right. such a math at this point. But I will say that the 9%, the 91%, 92%, I'm going to just call them the 92% heroes that chime in on social media through this television network and that television network and, and all the comments therein. there are a lot of 92% heroes in Lubbock who have a whole lot to say on social media. Yeah. But they don't and it's not just Lubbock, I think that eight, nine percent is is pretty average across the state and even across the country. And they have some hardcore opinions, but can they find one ten minute segment? And I'm not pointing at you.
2: It's fine. You can use me in this as an but example. Can you find one t-
1: like it's at the grocery store? How many times were you at the grocery store over the last three weeks? And you couldn't take ten minutes and it didn't even take me ten, it was five. Well to go in and to just vote. But in here's where I'm not pointing a finger at you, okay. little sister. You're not going on like scorched earth on social media. And that's what people do. And it
2: Yeah, they well that's just that's just a prime example like that guy complaining and then not voting, you know.
1: That's what we do. And it, it just it's incredible to me. So let me let me try to get through this before we get Scott Braddock Quorum Report up here in the next segment, but uh, Jeff Griffith City Councilman uh, out of District 3 in Lubbock said that the bottom line is that this was a business decision and Griffith will be with us tomorrow in these studios at 5.30pm In the 1940s Dotre continues, the land where the Auditorium and Coliseum is now transferred to the is now was transferred to the city from the state And the proposition, of course, is in the Charter. Now, my big deal in all this was that I didn't believe that a majority of those who were voting against the proposition to keep the Auditorium Coliseum, a majority would not be for a $25 million bond, which is essentially what it would be to keep it open under the city to make it meet code. And don't even get me started on, like, city code guy sends me a note and says, well, like, I'm in this big standoff right now mm-hmm. with Atmos and LP and L because they went into my backyard, they cut up my red oak, and they didn't remove everything that they cut down. It's still in the alley. And I'm in this standoff with Atmos and LPNL saying, hey, look, I'm not loading that stuff up on, like, it would be really easy for me to take 45 minutes on the weekend, load up all that stuff, and then take it to the dump or take it yeah. to a 30-yard uh, container that we have, but just on print, like, it's you unfissable. guys, you guys cut this down, Right. but it just drives me crazy that these same entities are like, well, you'll be up to code, and like, the fire marshal coming, and this guy coming, and that, look at your facilities. Your facilities can't pass code, so we've got to go on a vote and hand them over for free? Like, that's what happened. But at the end of the day, I couldn't see that 51% of the people who were for keeping it would be for that $25 million bond. And the other thing with me is I get so frustrated going into the auditorium coliseum, the coliseum more so than the auditorium, because it's built like Broadway seats. <laughs> yeah. And my chins are in my knees. And the last time Cherry and I were in New York City and we saw a Broadway play, I yeah. left halfway through because wow. I was so, like, I'm not going to sit like this for another hour and a half. Yeah. And that's the feeling that They're I really from. small. It just drives you crazy. But I think the larger point going forward is this idea of municipal, Lubbock municipal, auditorium, coliseum. When are... So now everything's private-owned, which means the taxpayer didn't pay for it. That's the good side. Right. The bad side is the taxpayers don't have a place. Mm-hmm. And so now you're going to be able to have facilities, Dirt Track and Buddy Holly Hall, presumably, or maybe even maybe auditoriums and high schools. But where are you going to get that? Right. And, you know, you look at the breakdown of how the vote went and it's the east side of the city the north side of the city part of central lubbock like the rush neighborhood the tech terrace neighborhood and if you're listening statewide just bear with me for just a moment but the tech terrace neighborhood and then hit and miss as you go south towards the loop and then in southwest lubbock it was all for uh, giving it over to tech if to the east it's all blue i'm holding the map up to little sister right now to the east it's blue a large part of the west and then a lot of the central in the the upper level neighborhoods
2: voted to get
1: Higher, higher economic demographic neighborhoods voted for and then in southwest lubbock voted for and that just it continues to be a problem for me watching all these things because i think the time bomb in lubbock right now is that everybody has to get on the same page and i wanted to hand it over because i couldn't get to a 51 percent but there is the demographic in lubbock for politicians going forward is that lubbock is a 4500 dollar i'm shooting it here because i don't have the exact numbers in front of me and i'm going to ad-lib but Forty-five thousand, I said forty-five hundred, I didn't mean that. Forty-five thousand, forty-six thousand average household income in Lubbock. I believe that. And there are people who live in bubbles who don't understand that. And, their bubble, and this is why I always tell people, if you want to know where you really live, you need to shop at 50th and Q at that United once a month. Because that, to me, That's the is heart. the fairest sampling Of Lubbock's real population. Now you can you can go in (coughs) to your market streets. You can you can do that. But if you really want to understand the way Lubbock works and who really lives here, then you got to go to that. So my big deal at the end of the day were two things with the vote. Fifty-one percent would not vote for the twenty-five million dollars. But on the other hand, they're going to build a student dorm there and it's going to be it's going to be a student athlete dorm and i think it's going to be the generating the revenue generating student athletes so men's basketball men's Let's football hope so. and 51% you know what i think the other 51% will be go ahead a girls dorm
2: Oh, my gosh. Hey, who's to say <laughs> those girls' athletes, though, won't be the next uh, Marsh Sharp? Eh,
1: well, they aren't going to generate revenue. I think that's what you're going to see there. So, <laughs> by the way, no way. For $4 million. No, no way. That's going to be $8 million. And you get lawyers and lawn chairs watching it all go down. Braddock on Texas. He is Scott Braddock, and he heads up QuorumReport.com as their editor. How are you doing, Scott
0: Braddock? You know, worse—that's the way they say it in Washington County, down where Brenham is. You know, where I spent a lot of my formative years. You—you you, uh, actually spend money there. Yeah, I mean, I—I I use them. Yeah, you should make that—you should make that clear, though. You—you you spend money there. You I do. their advertising. I mean, that's a, that speaks volumes. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, where else am I going to go? Believe in the advertiser. Believe in the advertiser, and they believe in you. Yeah, that's them. that's the way we roll, buddy. Well, I like it because, hey. Braddock on Texas would not be possible without ruthless capitalism, would it? Or a racer car wash. So, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's let's, what I'm uh, getting at. <laughs> let's get in. <laughs> yeah, at sure. It just hey, what's this deal? So, John Cornyn, for everybody yeah. who's not familiar, the 92% crowd, uh, John Cornyn is a <laughs> U.S. Senator in texas and says i don't understand what's going on with regard to daca tell us what daca is and what doesn't the uh... the senator understand
0: well what he does not understand is why attorney general ken paxton and by the way John Cornyn used to be attorney general of Texas, so it's not so much that he doesn't understand what's going on, he just doesn't really get the point of what Ken Paxton is trying to do. Um, DACA, of course, is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Uh, This was uh, an executive order issued by President Obama during his administration, which basically uh, keeps some people from being deported. There is a misperception that DACA is uh, somehow amnesty or that it has a path to citizenship in it. It doesn't. All it does is it says that uh, kids who, by the way, are outstanding young people who were brought into this country uh, in undocumented fashion by their parents, not their fault, but when they were very young were brought in uh, and only brought in up to a certain point. I mean, there are certain dates that are set in the uh, executive order. You know, this does not apply uh, to a whole swath of people. But about 800,000 people across the entire country do qualify for this. These are young immigrants uh, who have uh, been in school, uh, who have uh, either uh, gone on to college or in the United States military. They cannot have uh, you know, uh, committed any felonies. Um, and so there's a, there's a strict set of guidelines for who can qualify. And you say and there's about
2: 800,000?
0: 800, about 800,000. Wow. Is that little sister there?
2: Yes, nope. it's
0: little sister. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> Hi, well, sister. Hi <laughs> little sister. Hi, little sister. You're good. 800,000, and uh, there are tens of thousands of them right here in Texas. Wow. And, you know, we're looking at uh, a situation where the attorney general in this state is suing the Trump administration to try to end this Obama-era program. I was at the press conference last week in Austin when Ken Paxton was rolling out his lawsuit on this, and he said that he's frustrated with... Activist judges, uh, who he says are not allowing President Trump to get rid of DACA, the Deferred tri- uh, Action for Childhood Arrivals. Uh, but I asked him whether he was really frustrated with Trump, because look, you remember President Trump is the one who all through the campaign uh, said, "I'm the only one who can do this. I'm the only one who can do that." On a whole host of issues, uh, and on some of those things that was true, on some of those things it's not with this it's an executive order this is something that he absolutely could just undo uh, president Obama um, you know made this happen with the stroke of his pen and President Trump could do the same instead as your listeners may know he set a date certain for DACA to go away uh, and thereby tried to put pressure on Congress to try to come up with some legislative fix uh, for these outstanding young people to try to keep them in the country. Uh, but the president has been, Jay and little sister, all over the map. Um, if you listen to various uh, interviews that the president has given on this, uh, Mr. Trump has said things like the kids uh, should not live in fear and we should not uh, be, you know. Uh, we should not be creating a situation where they don't have certainty about their futures. At the same time, he's also said things like, you know, they may have to go home. They may have to go home because they're here illegally, and we have to have rule of law. Uh, What John Cornyn, to answer your question, what John Cornyn has said is that these kids are outstanding young individuals. Uh, He said this to the Dallas Morning News uh, this morning, and he said he doesn't understand what the point of the Ken Paxton lawsuit is, Uh, Cornyn said, quote, in America, we don't hold children responsible for the mistakes of their parents. He said we need the talent, and this is a pool of very productive young people. Um, He also said this, and this goes right to the point. Cornyn said, quote, there's a saying in Washington, D.C. that some people want a solution while others want an issue they can use for the next election. Mm. Cornyn's saying this seems more like red meat from folks like Ken Paxton, Greg Abbott, Ted Cruz, and others who we are taking a hard line on the DACA issue. By the way, Paxton, in issuing his, uh, you know, in letting us know that he was uh, filing this lawsuit, he said that this doesn't have to do with the wisdom of any particular immigration policy. This has to do with rule of law and whether the president can act unilaterally. Uh, anytime somebody says that I'm not sure whether this is a good idea or not, but I want to stop it, that ought to tell you something. So, hey,
1: John Cornyn, welcome to the party. You know, we talk about solutions <laughs> versus point. issues for the next election, and, and that seems to be the status quo in state government. And, you know, Earlier we tweeted out understanding John Cornyn's misunderstanding. Uh, I think a lot of us scratch yeah. our heads and say, well, look, it's just all politics. It's uh, trying to drum yeah. up an issue, and we see that on a whole host of
0: fronts drumming up an issue, and when I asked Ken Paxton about this in his press conference, I said, look, is it that you are frustrated with the president because he hasn't been able to do away with DACA uh, the way that President Obama was able to just put it in place? Paxton looked at me sort of confused. He said, no, 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 the truth is that I'm uh, frustrated with activist judges who have gotten in the way of the president uh, doing what he wants to do on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, the truth is, uh, the truth is that what uh, Paxton is doing by filing a suit against the Trump administration is to engage in an adversarial act with the president, right, toward the president. Uh, because uh, basically what he's really saying is, uh, with his legal action, his, his actions say uh, that the president isn't getting the job done. It's a very interesting tank uh, shot uh, on this uh, all around. It'll be
1: really interesting once, it seems to me, that Trump takes some things in people around him take some things in. It'll be interesting to see, so far as I can tell, Trump takes a couple of weeks, and then he'll, like, get up at 5 o'clock one morning and just go off on somebody. <laughs> I mean, how interesting yes. would it be if he saw Ken Paxton as adversarial and just went at, went after him?
0: Well, it's something that certainly could happen. Uh, the president has gone after people who have been uh, pretty close to his inner circle. Um, and uh, the loyalty uh, with Trump only goes one way, it seems, and this is on the whole, a whole host of things, right? The loyalty only goes up to him, but it does not flow back down.
1: And do you think it's fair to for people to say, following up on what the Dallas Morning News had today with Cornyn, that this is a fair instance of shots fired, that Cornyn went out of his way to critique the Attorney General?
0: It's... Certainly seems that way. Um, th- th- these are pretty blunt words for uh, Senator Cornyn, who is usually um, uh, pretty diplomatic in his speech, uh, even when he's talking about people he uh, really disagrees with. No, yeah.
1: Scott Braddock at Scott Braddock on Twitter, carrying on, tarrying on, with us here, other side of Texas. Debate stakes seem pretty high for Democrats running for governor. Is there a reason why this is taking so long to play out? Is there one camp more than the other that doesn't want to debate?
0: Well, yes. Uh, The short answer is absolutely. Uh, If you listen to the rhetoric of the candidates, there is one candidate who has been asking for a debate over and over and over. That is Andrew White from Houston. Uh, Lupe Valdez, former sheriff from Dallas County, has not been as keen on having a debate, although she finally did say that she would have one. Um, It's important to remember that whichever candidate is asking for a debate, is the person who's running behind the uh, apparent front runner here is uh, Luke as the former sheriff, and um, they had planned to have this at the University of Texas, and then there was some um, question about whether or not the sponsoring organizations of the debate uh, met the requirements for uh, what the school would allow for, uh, you know, to have an event like who, that. Who uh, are those, campus. Brad?
1: Who who are sponsoring?
0: Um, well, there, there a very, there's a myriad of progressive groups including uh, some Latino activists, uh, labor, and others who uh, want to be hosting this thing, uh, along with the Travis County Democratic Party uh, in Austin. Um, And, uh, look, they're trying to get on the same page about how this debate is going to flow. Um, There's an interesting question here about how much these debates really matter. I mean, the stakes are sort of high um, just from the standpoint of voters getting a chance to see what both of these folks have to say when they're confronting each other. Um, and not so much when the're confronting journalists because uh, both of them have had to answer questions from journalists. And um, Andrew White has certainly done better than, uh, than Sheriff Faldez has if uh, she really hasn't acquitted herself very well as far as knowing uh, things about state government, basic things about how the budget works, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. other policy issues she has hasn't yeah, done. She's, well on. she's uh, been <laughs> on by several decimal points. A couple of yes, uh, I mean, I mean to put a fine point on it. I mean, they spoke to an LGBT group in Houston, and she is a, a she is a gay Latina. And even though both of the and he's a straight white guy, and even though they both spoke in front of that group, the LGBT group endorsed Andrew White. And then they went and spoke to a Latino group in Austin, and again, she is a Latina, he's a white guy. And after hearing from both of them firsthand, the Latino group in Austin went with. Andrew White for their endorsement. So anytime people hear her speak, they seem to go the other way, even if it's a crowd that ought to be, um, you know, one to her candidacy. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, okay, so let's go back to Cornyn for just a second. And now I have one more sure. question. We'll, uh-huh. we'll get you on with your Monday evening here. But um, people need their Monday cure, and, and you've got the cure yeah, there, uh-huh. Scott Braddock. Braddock on well, I'm here for that. I'm here for them. Yes. And so Cornyn also says there's no way that Beto O'Rourke, uh, can beat Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that him? Like, lots of times guys will go out and make a statement, like, and criticize implicitly shots fired at the Attorney General, and then there'll be follow-up or lead-in headlines that, hey, there's no way Cruz can lose here. Because, (laughs) and I would think that if I were in Cornyn's camp... Why don't you put out a statement or you do an interview and say, hey, look, there's no way Cruz can lose because you're on the right side of Beto O'Rourke on the Dreamers thing, on the DACA thing. Mm-hmm. I and mean, is that the politics that's playing out here?
0: Well, in an interesting way, to say that O'Rourke has no chance of beating Cruz kind of liberates Cornyn uh, to say whatever he would like about Cruz, doesn't it? Um, if he says that there's no way that the Democrat can win the race, then he can also later say that it doesn't matter You know what I have to say about uh, Cruz, who he often uh, disagrees with. He certainly disagrees with him uh, on style and, in some instances, uh, disagrees with him on policy. Um, you know, Senator Cornyn has taken exception in the past to Cruz on a the whole host of issues, uh, including the fact that Cruz had called the Republican leader of uh, the senators, uh, the Senate Republican leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, a liar on the floor. Um, you know, uh, Cornyn had said that he agreed with Cruz. On trying to defund Obamacare, although he said that the way that Cruz was trying to do it was going to be completely unsuccessful. um, And on that, he was correct as well. So,
1: we've had this big NRA event in Dallas and the convention. uh, Trump, in the last couple of weeks, has endorsed Republicans up and down the ballot, including Cruz. But it seems to me, just it seems to me, he's not said much about Pete Sessions. Why is that?
0: Well, uh, you know the and the who is Pete Sessions?
1: Is, uh, I should I should make that.
0: Yeah, clear. Pete Sessions is the congressman uh, for uh, part of Dallas County. Uh, uh, Sessions is absolutely in a heated race uh, this fall and potentially a very competitive race this fall. Uh, it may not uh, help Pete Sessions to have the endorsement of uh, President Trump if he was to get it, uh, because that's an area that uh, Hillary Clinton won in 2016. Uh, along with uh John Culverson's district down in Houston Clinton also won there in sixteen uh the counter argument of course is as plain on the nose of on your face, which is that while Clinton was winning in those areas, the Republican congressmen for those areas uh they were also winning their district simultaneously uh so they do have uh, a fighting chance uh, but you know if there's a blue wave uh, if there's a blue wave in this uh country uh as we've talked about previously on ground the Republican Party of Texas is certainly built. The kind of uh, seawall you need to withstand that blue wave, a big uh, red wall. Uh, but there are going to be some places where Republicans are swept out of office, and in some cases, not even because of anything that they necessarily did, uh, but because there is an anti Trump sentiment out there uh, and a lot of energy on the side of the Democrats. I mean, if you look at what the Democrats were able to pull off in Alabama, and we've made this comparison before, but if, if, if you look at the way they were able to win that race, um, you know, it's not analogous to Texas for a few reasons. One, you didn't have an accused uh, child molester on the ballot in 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 Texas than any uh, of the races here, uh, like you did in Alabama, and also the resources they were able to bring to bear in Alabama, something like 20, 25 million dollars for a state that doesn't have as many people in it as Houston does. Um, so if you were going to try to recreate that kind of a democratic effort in Texas, you would need something on the effort of 100 million, maybe 120 million dollars to be able to put a ground game and an air game out there. Uh, for Democrats, that's simply not going to happen. Uh, but there are some places around the state where some Republicans are going to get uh, probably uh, get a good old Texas uh... Thumping, uh because uh, there is a lot of anti-Trump and therefore anti-Republican sentiment among a lot of voters out there.
1: And I think that Beto is really just this thought, and we'll let you go. But I think that Beto's been really smart in his campaigning that he. he I've not seen him one time take exception to John Cornyn publicly. He Mm -hmm. may include Cornyn, but he never points Mm -hmm. Cornyn out. And the other thing that, at least in sitting with him for for an hour on this program, he never stuck it to Trump. He he never played that card. And I think that that's going to matter because in that race... Likeability matters. And like people prove with Trump, even though they might have been a traditional Clinton voter in that bill and Hillary sense, once you go behind that curtain, it's all about likeability. And, you know, if, if Beto is where polls say that he is and it's May, uh, Cruz, Cruz may be in trouble
0: it's about likability it's also about uh, knowing who your adversary is Uh, his adversary is Cruz it's not Cornyn it's not Trump in fact at uh, campaign rallies around the state where uh, O'Rourke has been talking about Trump it was generally in a positive way he was talking about the fact that uh, he was that he O'Rourke was able to pass some legislation bipartisan legislation to help veterans and that the president of the United States President Trump signed it into law and from a democratic crowd, at you know, at these rallies, uh, you have applause because he's showing he can work with the other side. Um, up to this point, uh, Senator Cornyn really hasn't said anything uh, real negative about A. Uh, work In fact, on a uh, conservative radio show in Dallas, he said that he was a likable guy, that he does like him. Uh, but he did say he's too liberal to win. And again, when he says that A. work can't beat Cruz, it's not really a negative comment about A. work It's just about the political landscape in Texas. The other thing I would say about um, O'Rourke and uh, what he may do to help uh, other Democrats around the state is once he's done with his 254 county tour, uh, you know, going to every place in the state that has never seen uh, a Senate candidate uh, in years, if ever, once he's done with that, what O'Rourke is uh, going to do if he's smart is go back and fish where the fish are in places like Dallas, Houston san antonio austin williamson county montgomery county places like that um where they're in places like colleen for example which might surprise some of us uh because there are enough democrats in a lot of those places to have a down ballot effect and sweep some state house and potentially some state senate candidates uh, who are republicans uh sweep them aside in their races
1: scott braddock at scott braddock on twitter and go check out QuorumReport.com. thank you for the time buddy
0: Thank y'all. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
1: Lots of notes. I try not to take much of the low-lying fruit, but let's talk about a couple of things here. Uh, One, I don't like to get into national politics because it's almost like when the county doesn't come out and grate the road, grate the, the dirt road, and you just get, or maybe even the alley for city dwellers. The ruts get in the road, and that's just the way things go, and it never changes, and in uh, that that plays with politics a lot in this country like there's the left and the right and 11 like you can almost predict how things are going to go down now especially in gerrymandered districts so this guy's going to win and i think cornyn's probably right in some regard i think that i think that beto is going to have an effect going into the future and i do think i will say this uh I know that you're looking at, like, Castro brothers and this guy and that guy to run for the presidential in 2020. I'd put Beto in that mix and say after he's made his debut in Texas and he comes back and he's well within 20 points, well, then you might have somebody who can contend on the national scale. Now, that's for O'Rourke. And his family to decide if that's something they want to get into going to the next presidential. But I think that O'Rourke's certainly doing the casting call right now and proving himself to be much more likable than other versatile candidates. And uh, but I'll leave that there. But there's so much knee jerk that goes on in politics. I talk about this all the time. But New York Magazine, NYMag.com in in new york where in the city proper where there are like four times as many conservatives as there are liberals in lubbock (laughs) um maybe 10 times 20 times more like real like when was the last time you came across now off of the tech campus little sister off of the tech campus when was the last time in lubbock that you came across like a hardcore liberal Away from uh, campus, no music right. majors, no theater majors.
2: Well, right. That's what I was about to say. Is that it's it's been a minute. Uh, most of them do come off the tech campus, yep. and a lot of them are people visiting from Austin.
1: <laughs> and that's my deal. Is like people who are, castigated or labeled liberals. Anywhere else, they would be, they would be pretty conservative. If they were on a coast on either coast and oh, they came okay. in, yeah. like, well, fiduciary responsibility in this that, and another, they'd say, Well, especially with how they raise their kids. Like the liberals I know in Lubbock raise their children pretty conservatively. Oh, yeah, and there's some hypocrisy there. If I'm fair, if I'm being honest, it's and it's you see the same hypocrisy on the right, like, well. I think this about kids, and they ought to be doing this and that, like morally, socially, and their houses are just on fire. It's a mess, right? But the liberals are like, we'll go do anything and be anything, and we want to tolerate everything, everyone, yeah. everything. But guess what? In their house,
2: they don't tolerate. You it.
1: will make A's, <laughs> and you will not go do a history degree. You will go, and you'll get your engineering degree. Like you will get a solid professional earning you'll go get your business you'll do yeah. law you'll do in so I, well, what about all the poor kids that you've pushed all this on who don't have the means and access so mm-hmm. now you're pushing a narrative that they can do anything and you get this uh, spiritual constipation this philosophical i'll just call it philosophical constipation where you accept everything and you don't do away with it. Yeah, anything. you don't filter
2: out the ba- Remember, we talked about this actually a few weeks ago on the show, and I made the comparison of that commercial with Steph Curry and the Brita filter, and it's like, filter out the bad, and you're left with the good, you know? So like, who's
1: filtering, though? Nobody. That's the Well, but I think that people who are disingenuous in the public square are filtering at their house.
3: Yeah.
1: So, anyhow, so New York Magazine, I'm glad we can get the, all that off our chest, but, uh, liberal media can have ideological diversity without conservatives and it leads with this Donald Trump's election exposed the irrelevance irrelevance excuse me of conservative intellectuals and thereby the incoherence of many liberal publications mission statement during the 2016 primaries the right-wing intelligentsia mobilized in opposition to Trump and they did and I remember like a month out but there's no chance, and the National Review has a special edition, and they're going at, Cruz, or, sorry, at Trump, and everybody's shocked on yeah. election night. Uh, but
2: I don't know. To me, honestly, this whole Trump, I hate Trump thing, and this dislikability of Trump, I really don't understand it because he, we voted for him to be our president. He is my president. You but, know?
1: but they're talking about the inc- – like, where was the – the right, and by this, what they misunderstand is like there's a right, and then there's a libertarian right,
2: yeah. and
1: that's quite frankly the group that I contend against a lot. Yeah. I, I, I contend against corrupt quote unquote conservatives and libertarian conservatives because the libertarians don't have any idea how rural economy works, they've got their lamplight notions, but not daylight notions. And it was like James Arnold on the show last mm-hmm. week. This is how the Lubbock economy works. It works through public education. It works through agriculture, higher education, and medical. Well, if you're that honest, and I've had these conversations with people, like private uh, small business owners. Yeah. Like if you're true to your word, why don't you turn away any client, any customer who works for a public entity Mm -hmm. because you don't think they have any place they ought to be completely done away with. Okay. So then let's look at your ledgers. Well, now. So then you're just big talking. Now we're back to big talking in the public square, but where are you really in your home? And it's that same. It's it's
2: the hypocrisy of
1: it. I I don't want to go polemic and just say, polemical and just say, well, that's just, you're just full of it, so therefore shut up. But there are times where I do feel that way, whenever elections matter and people are pushing these ideas. But I don't have any problem sitting behind this microphone pointing <laughs> out the incongruity of it all, the inconsistency of it all. Right. And that's that's a lot of what I talk about in Lubbock, is, look, this is how this thing works, and this is how it turns. And for you to go in and... Uh, that's not to say that we can't be fiscally responsible. We are fiscally... Like, if I were Beto O'Rourke, I would come to Lubbock as a Democrat and say this is how we want the state to work Mm -hmm. Lubbock should lead the way because in Lubbock those people are fiscally prudent and they know how to turn one public dollar into seven or ten public dollars yeah like that's excuse me one public dollar into seven or ten private dollars, and Mm -hmm. that's how Lubbock works. And I know that there are people who listen to this show and go through their day-to-day, and they're convinced that Texas Tech is the most successful private entity to ever be launched in Texas, and they have no idea how much state government matters in the funding of Texas Tech. And we've got to get in those formulas, and we got to be where we are, and people just don't see that.
2: Tech's private? I thought tech was no, public. No, I'm
1: being I'm oh, be, I'm
2: okay, okay, okay.
1: facetious. <laughs> okay. That's how people think about tech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because we don't have puff funds. Mm-hmm. And because there's going to be one, two, three, four oral people who come in and they build that dorm. Mm-hmm. And they have their names on that new athletic dorm that will inevitably take the place of the Coliseum Auditorium. Well, that's private money. Well, okay. It's private money on public land, yeah. and it's going to be overseen by a public institution. Anyhow, I have no love loss for Kevin Williamson, who's highlighted, and I'm going to have to, I guess I'm just going to hold this still tomorrow, because we got blue-collar Bill who's about to come on, but this argument in the, in the New York magazine is that we can have ideological diversity without conservatives, which is like saying, well, you can have gray without black. Like, no, you can't. You've got to have these contrasts. Right. And call out the hypocrisy on both sides, because there is. Right. But you've got to have these arguments. Like, I'll just, like, Municipal Auditorium Coliseum. I like Dan Jackson. Dan Jackson, head of KCBD, he's made himself a public figure here, so let me just engage you for a second. I think it's really healthy to have that debate in the public square. And Dan Jackson certainly lost He went all in. Yeah. He lost 52, but he lost 52-48. He was the lead opponent of keeping those facilities. But I think where Jackson went off, and I've had plenty of criticism about people around Jackson, speaking of duplicity and hypocrisy and uh, conflicts of interest, and that's all on my Twitter feed. You can go read it. But I think by and large, without going into the polemical name-calling I think it's really healthy to have that discussion. I want Dan Pope, a Dan Pope, and a Dan Jackson in the community right. going head to head. You want Let's back. battle it out.
2: Exactly. That's how you're going to get yeah. results. So this the idea everyday. that
1: we're just going to hold it, we're going to hold back voices, whether they're conservative. And I'm not calling Pope or Jackson the conservative there, but there has to be real differences that take issue. Blue Collar Bill, are you there? Yeah, yeah, what's going on? It kept you on hold. Sorry, I didn't mean to be like the DMV, just some things to get off my chest.
3: Oh, no problem. I was just a working away out
1: here. Hey, so uh, your take on, did you vote for, are you in the Lubbock City Limits?
3: No, I, I'm actually in Wolfwood,
1: so I did not get the cast to vote. Okay, you didn't vote on the Auditorium Coliseum. How many times That's in your life correct. would you say that you were in the Auditorium Coliseum?
3: Oh, um, in my entire life? Yeah. Wow, I was in excess of a hundred.
1: Yeah, wow. were you, did you agree with how things went down? Were you part of the uh, forty-eight in spirit outside of the Lebanese? Yeah, stands? I mean,
3: uh, I think I was. I think I was part of the forty-eight percent in spirit, but you know, uh, the, the pragmatic reality of the situation. Was that it needed to go? No, yeah. it's it just, just kind of painful because it is a part of our history, and, and I, I think on some level it'll be something that we miss.
1: Yeah, but where's the municipal option? Bringing in with uh, City Councilman Jeff Griffith about that tomorrow. So you're driving everywhere all the time in the 18-wheeler, and I see this story out of Indianapolis last week that. In a moment that instantly tested the core of human morality, the definition of right and wrong, the limits of acceptable risk, the back door of a Brinks armored truck swung open during rush hour on Interstate 70, blowing bags of cash onto the highway, and there was some $600,000, Indiana state troopers estimated, uh, went missing out wow. on the highway. And now Brinks is asking and officials are asking that people who collected some of that 600000 hand it back in. Bill,
3: what do you do? Man, you, you really got to give it back. I mean... But they aren't marked. They don't know. No, but, but you know, you know. And, and God knows. And there's, there's such thing as right and wrong, and it's You know, I I can see it happening. I'd probably pull over and get out there and round up my fair share, too, and lose my mind. But in the end, you know, cooler heads have to prevail. It's not your money. Return it, you know, and keep somebody else from having a a, a horrible time with it. Hmm. Hey, just
1: go off in the rabbit trail for just a moment. You, You said the Lord sees it, or God sees it. Now I hear you making the Aaron Tippin argument. You got to stand for something, or you stand for, or you'll fall for anything. Whatever you do today, you'll have to sleep with tonight. Hope listeners appreciate me pulling that out of the bag. But that's true. I just wonder. Like I've thought about this sometimes, and now we're like riding in the cab with Blue Collar Bill. There's not really. People don't talk about the fear of Lord anymore. You know, it doesn't really guide people's. Judgment like I think it did When we were kids Like our grandparents And I won't say that the boomers Instilled this in us Because they certainly didn't They might have preached it But they didn't practice it But our parents really taught us In our moral equations To understand that there will be A judgment day
3: and it, was, it was a different time
2: Nobody fears God anymore Everybody thinks that he's all forgiving You know And I believe that I should fear God I fear him.
3: Well, well, you know...
2: A healthy fear, at least.
3: I like to to believe and hope and pray that he is a a loving and benevolent God, but uh, I suppose when you're the supreme commander of the entire universe, Uh, you may also have to be a disciplinarian as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, practice some some
3: exclusion there on the last day. You know, uh, yeah, I, I would just, I, I would hope and pray that when my kid out there rounded up hundred-dollar bills off the freeway, that he would give it back. Hmm. That, it, you know, I, I'm a firm. I'm 51 years old now. I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot and done a lot. And I'm certain there is somebody watching from above. And I'm certain karma is real, and she has everybody's name and phone number. And
1: has never been defeated. No, no,
3: Karma remains undefeated. Once once she comes for you, you're done. Mm-hmm. And what I found with Karma, in my own personal experience, is is that which is negative or good that you send around see, this thing picks up speed. Is it co- it, 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 it's going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you put out there, good, bad, or ugly, it's coming back to you, and it's going to pick up velocity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at that picture of Stormy Daniels behind 24 news microphones. And, you know, I hate to get off on a sanctimonious. This is not a religious program, but, you know, religion's part of political philosophy. And... Yeah, you know, what's, what's hidden in the dark will be brought to light, and uh, that's 20, and, and also starring in SNL, right, uh, <laughs> this yeah. weekend, so, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah but yeah, i tell you what, Bill, and that's where really, in, I think you and I see eye to eye on a lot of economic uh, issues, that uh, it's crazy to me that people will see and call sin, sin, especially within Texas conservatism, in society, but whenever it comes to, like, the business industry and uh, capitalized interests that are compounded around one another, driving issues, like, they won't call that, they won't call that out. And I think that's the populist message is to say, look, personal sin has social impact. Uh, it has social consequence every time. It impacts people around you,
3: Right. It, it does. It, it doesn't matter the context of the situation. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're at or what's going on. No. Hmm. It's 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 generally fairly black and white.
1: Well, I think I'm going to take that line. And uh, what what's the new thing? Cultural appropriate? I'm going to culturally oh, yeah. appropriate what you just said, Bill. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, you're more than you're welcome. It's just. It's just, it's just it's the way I believe. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of what you were just talking about. Well, you know, business is different. It's just business. Yeah. No, it's, it's not just business. It's not just business.
1: Yeah, because no, there are a lot of people that are effectively picking up free dollars on the road, and there's consequence to it.
3: I, I could be light years ahead, Jay, if if I could if I could pick up the money and keep it. Yeah. But I, I have walked off from the money in, in several different scenarios just because it was the right thing to do. And it's a hard thing to do. It really is, so especially when you're young, especially when you're struggling. Uh, but you got to do the right thing and, 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 and hope that, that that comes back to you. And for me, it has. Blue Collar Bill,
1: laying down the moral principles of life. I threw you a curveball. I appreciate you engaging it, buddy. Awesome, man. Live- well, all right. You can hear Blue Collar Bill up on our iTunes podcast, Other Side of Texas. It's uh, free. Get what you pay for there. Uh, but an enjoyable time. Hey, I'm going to close out this edition of Other Side of Texas. Going to Abernathy tomorrow night. Oh, okay. I'm going to be keynote speaking the Chamber of Commerce Very uh, cool. banquet there. Titled, Everything's Coming Up Abernathy. <laughs> and I'll probably have some thoughts about it tomorrow on the show. We're going to try to record it and put it up on the website to, uh, talk about how growing up in Abernathy influences how I see things, even to this day, uh, growing up in a rural context and you know, having a barometer on what's bogus and what's not and uh, trying to stick up for this side of Texas, uh, some writing stuff we're going to sit down tonight and begin to type a little bit about uh, the vet school and about uh, mr burns and the beer industrial complex in texas the big beer industrial complex and if you're unfamiliar with that just just hang around and you'll see tuesday jeff griffiths city councilman tomorrow wednesday ross ramsey introduced for you a new segment and curtis parrish uh, will be on with us. He's running for Lubbock County Judge. He'll be the first installment in that race to come on. And uh, Brandon Darby, uh, Millie the Milk Cow, about to give birth any day hey. and uh, get a little update from the Darby Ponderosa. And I want to close out by giving a great congratulate a big congratulations to my friend, James Decker, who is now the mayor-elect of Stanford, Texas. Fine person, fine place. Glad to see those things worked out. So congratulations to the Deckers who may elect and now within the next couple of weeks going to have their first child. So big ups to James and Lauren. Um, glad you listened, and glad to be friends with you. Facebook, Other Side of Texas. Twitter at OSTX Show. OtherSideofTexas.com. Got to go home now. I got to get home. My wife's sedated from her dental stuff, and so I've got to get an above-average supper on the way home with my great family. That's waiting until next time. Thank you for tuning in. And again, we're here for you. Thanks for telling your friends that you hang out on the other side. Of Texas.
3: One night in Kansas City, after we played the show, shot train out, as I stumbled home, so I hit behind the dumpster internet.